What is going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Critics Corner Podcast. Joining us again today is none other than Josh Mullinex. We are going to be breaking down some of the the early season action, uh, kind of going off our preview podcast that we did just under a month ago. Um, we're like three weeks into the season, good amount of sample size. Feel like we can kind of dissect some of the takes that we had on our preview podcast and discuss some of the action that we've seen so far. So Josh, thanks for coming on. Always a pleasure. Thanks for having me back. And yeah, we're get, we're just going to chop it up. Uh, we have some topic ideas like we did with Luis for the MLB season uh, for MLB season. I always say the MLB season, but it's not the major league baseball. It's just MLB kind of sounds weird saying it. It's, it's major league baseball. We did jump to conclusions about a, three weeks to a month into that season as well. So we're going to do jump to conclusions um, on our NBA podcast as well here. So I have some statements um, and basically we're both going to decide, are we going to jump to the conclusion or are we not going to jump to the conclusion? Pretty simple, uh, pretty fun exercise. And there's, I mean, I always say the NBA is like the, the greatest soap opera on, on the earth. And, you know, that really has rung true this season. Uh, and none other than, you know, the story of the NBA for the first three weeks of the season and heading into the season and for what feels like the past two seasons in general, the Brooklyn Nets. Now, we're not going to spend a ton of time on this because I feel like every single podcast, every single TV show, first take, you know, get up for the past two weeks, it's been nothing but Nets, Nets, Nets and Lakers, Lakers, Lakers. So we're going to start with the Nets because me and you were very high on them heading into the season. And I feel like we, we have to, we have to discuss this. So the, 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 the conclusion or, or the statement here is we couldn't have been more wrong about the nets and I'll let you go first and, and give your thoughts. I I'm jumping to that conclusion. I'm, I'm absolutely jumping to that conclusion. Um, you know, even the, right. Either both of us decided that this team was just too talented to not win a bunch of games in the regular season. Even the guy who's at the complete opposite end of the spectrum would not have come up with what has happened to the Nets in the first 11 games. Not even that dude, right? It's right. They're four and seven. And among all of the things that have happened, right? Kyrie, you knew Kyrie was going to do something at some point. You did I mean, supporting an anti-Semitic documentary, I could have. It, you would. It would have taken <laughs> me years to come up with that. It would have taken me forever to come yeah, up with that. Yeah. Um, and then Steve Nash is gone after a win, nonetheless. Like, which is just super weird. Um, why he started the season, I don't know. If you told me that Steve Nash was like, I'll let you guys say that you're firing me, but I'm out. I'm resigning. Like, we can say we mutually agreed to part ways that you fired me, whatever. But I'm out. Um, it has been so far past dysfunctional. It's, it's crazy. Um, four and seven KD has been good. Like that's the other thing. Like KD has been, been pretty good and it just doesn't seem to matter. I'm, I'm not sure. We'll maybe we'll see Kyrie Irving in the Nets uniform again. I certainly want to bet on that. Um, but it's been, it's been worse than I think even the biggest critic, of the Nets this season would have would have suggested that it was going to be. And I, I found it interesting that we were both so in on the Nets heading into the season because 
it's traditionally not a team that we would buy into like the way we approach basketball and like the teams we normally like it's traditionally not like the super team you know built to get like pieced together through free agency like these usually aren't the teams that we really go for you know they don't play great defense etc cetera, etc cetera. like they don't do the little things well we were just purely basing that prediction off all the, the raw talent that they had on the roster we failed to account for the awkwardness of of the steve nash uh based you know their best player basically saying he wants the coach and the GM fired before the season. We, we could have hit on that a little bit more than we did, I think. Um, and I do think it was, it was weird bringing him back heading into the season. I think if there's one thing we could have predicted was that Steve Nash was going to get canned and it did happen. Mm-hmm. The Kyrie thing, absolutely ridiculous. And I, I, I don't think we are going to see Kyrie in, in a Nets uniform ever again. We might not see the guy play in the NBA ever again. And I think those, you know, six, um, basically like six things that Kyrie has to do to be able to play again with the team that the organization set for him, you know, set out for him are like, like kind of crazy. And almost like, it seems like the front office is like, we're going to give Kyrie these unrealistic, uh, you know, items to, to accomplish before he can come back to the team, but we really don't want him to come back. So that's kind of be going to be our excuse for him to kind of, kind of push him out the window at the door. And, my thing is, bro, what team in the NBA is going to want to deal with this, the the absurdity and, and the media distraction that comes with Kyrie Irving at this point in his career, right? And it's absolutely absurd that, you know, we could see one of the better players of this generation. I don't think, you know, 50 years from now, Kyrie Irving's going to, you know, be talked about like the way, you know, some of the, the greats are. He'll, he'll probably largely be forgotten in the grand scheme of, you know, history, basketball history a long time from now, mm-hmm. but he's still a great player in this year's, this generation. It's crazy that a guy as talented as him could throw his career away because of a tweet that he had every opportunity. The media gave him every opportunity to walk it back and say, you know what? I'm sorry. I don't agree with the stuff that was on the documentary. I regret tweeting it, whatever. Like he stuck to his guns and that's what really rubbed people the wrong way. And I think he, kind of deserves all of the the hate and you know everything all the backlash that's coming his way so i don't really feel much sympathy you know he's kind of been like a holier than thou vibe Mm -hmm. smarter than thou vibe for the past five years right um so super dysfunctional am i jumping to this conclusion no i'm not jumping to it just yet okay because they've looked better without Kyrie. it's like every time Kyrie leaves the team they kind of look better now they beat washington and charlotte they both those teams suck they looked good in that Dallas game. Uh, Kevin Durant missed two big free throws at the end. They could have easily won that game as well. Um, and there's a lot of teams in front of them right now. They're currently 11th. Like, they're going to finish above Washington. They're going to finish above the Knicks. The Pacers will finish above. Like, they could finish above the Bulls. Like, I think they'll be a top six seed. I don't think they're going to be as good as, you know, we had in our preview podcast. They're not going to be a one seed or they're not going to be a top four seed in the East. But I think they'll be a playoff team kind of similar to last year, probably get pushed out in the first round. Uh, so I'm not jumping to that conclusion just yet. Cause I still think the season is salvageable. It's not going to be, it's not going to be at like they've hit rock bottom. I don't think it can get any worse. Now I might be jinxing it. Who knows? Kyrie could turn into Jeffrey Dahmer overnight. I don't know, but I don't think it can get much worse. And that's why I'm not quite going to jump. Yeah, that's fair. I, 
the only the only reason I'm not all that interested in their better play recently is because those they're they've won three games in their last five, but it's the Pacers, the Wizards, and the Hornets. Absolutely. Um, and they scored less than a hundred points in two of those games. Um, and they've scored less than a hundred points in three of their last four. Um, so that's a little concerning and especially in the, in the conversation with, do I think their win total will go over, um, that one I'm definitely out on, but we'll see, you know, because if you don't get anything from, from Ben Simmons, there's a lot of guys trying to come back from injury, right? Joe Harris doesn't look like himself yet. Um, Seth Curry coming back from the ankle thing. <clears throat> it's just, it is, it is certainly a completely different team than I thought it was going to be. And I also just didn't think that, right. I thought that maybe Kyrie would disappear for 10 games mm-hmm. because everything last year centered around the the pandemic and that, that stage of the pandemic is over, right. At least for now. Um, I just didn't think there was going to be that much stuff that he could get himself in trouble with this year. I was completely wrong, but uh, yeah, we'll see how many games they end up winning, but it is, it is, un, it is so far past what I, the, the dysfunctional level I thought it was going to be. It's pretty impressive. And we, we gave Kyrie the benefit of the doubt. And I think we've learned that Kyrie ring has, will never earn the benefit of our doubt ever again. Like he facts. Yeah. Uh, and another thing with him is that we didn't hit on is they have no size. They have no, they have Nick Claxton who's solid, right? He's, he's a solid player. They have no depth in, in their size. You know, Utah, Watana, B, like De'Ron Sharp, like they have no interior presence and it's killing them again. And in the Eastern conference, when they're going to have to go up, like when it comes to winning time, you have freaking Giannis, you have Embiid, you have Bam, like they're not beating. They're not, they have no one to throw up against those guys over the course of a seven game series, they're going to get crushed in those kind of series. So like I'm out, I, I can't believe I picked this team to go to finals. I, I, that was one of my worst takes of, of recent memory. Um, and for what it's worth, the other team that I had in the finals was awful so far. We'll get to them later. Um, they, so their next few games, they play the Knicks tonight. I think that's going to be an interesting game. Uh, and then they go to LA. They play both LA teams, Lakers stink, but the Clippers, mm-hmm. they play Portland and Sacramento. Like, West Coast road trip. So I'll be curious to see how they go, how they do on this West Coast road trip. Um, if they can win a few of those games, maybe they can turn it around. But yeah, I'm out on this team as a finals contender. We regret that. All right. We, we And also, I do have to note, Ben Simmons has been atrocious uh, for a guy that was, you know, first team all defense guy uh, in the running for defensive player of the year. Just doesn't look like the same person. And I think that's someone that we were very high on in the preview podcast. He just hasn't lived up to the hype. He hasn't looked the same since this injury. Um, and without him, it's like a 34-year-old, whatever, Kevin Durant trying to carry a team. He's not that guy that's going to carry a team to the finals. Uh, and exactly. I, don't really know, I don't know if he ever truly was the way LeBron was. So, no. Just just, just a total, total, total mess. It's unreal. Yep. Yeah, he's one of those guys that could – be the best player in the finals. I'm not sure you can carry a team to a finals though. And there's a difference. Yeah, for sure. Next one. Next conclusion. The Suns are going to be just fine. And the reason I phrase it that way is because of all the offseason distractions they had, the Sarver issue, uh, the DeAndre Ayton issue heading into the season, and even the Jay Crowder thing heading into the season, you know, him holding him uh, holding himself out of camp 
He's still away from the team. It looks like he's not going to come back to the team at any point. But the Suns have been playing really good basketball. They're seven and three. Two of those losses have come to the, you know, an upstart Trailblazers team. Um, I think one of them uh, or two of them were like in the last possession of the game. Um, they have some good wins over the Warriors, the Clippers. Uh, they beat the Mavericks, beat the Wolves. Like they have their shit together. So, and I, I think a lot of people would have thought, or were definitely expecting the Suns to fall off. So that is the statement. Are you jumping? The Suns are going to be just fine. Yes. The 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 Suns are going to be just fine. I I'm the jury is still out on what fine actually means on the basketball court, um, especially with Cam Johnson being injured. And I I just will I won't be able to get what happened in last year's playoffs out of my head until they're back in the playoffs. Um, but they are fine because right they have one of the best. W- shooting guards in the NBA. DeAndre Ayton is a incredibly productive big man, regardless of how happy he is in Phoenix. And it's, and Chris Paul and Michael Bridges, like that is, they are, they're going to be just fine on the floor. They're through the most turbulent parts of the last six months or so. So we'll see kind of where that goes and where the new ownership, you know, eventually where that goes, but on the floor. Yeah. I think the Suns are fine. I agree. Uh, are they a finals contender? Maybe because I think the Warriors' struggles have come as a huge surprise to a lot of people this so far. And low-key, the West is kind of wide open at this point. There's no one team that's kind of running away with it the way we're seeing in, in, in the East right now. Um, you know, right now Utah's in first in the West and, and Phoenix is second. So it really feels like anybody's game in the West right now. And I've liked, I, I've really liked what I've seen from in the sense, I love Devin Booker. He's one of my favorite players to watch in the entire NBA. It's just so smooth and crafty. Uh, really fluid game that it's enjoyable to watch. Um, Mikael Bridges, like we said, one of the better, you know, 3D. He's become more than that, too. He can kind of score off the bounce as well. Uh, a great defender. Cam Johnson being out does hurt them. But, you know, I thought like a torn meniscus dude was going to be out for the entire season. I can't believe you can come. I didn't know you could come back from a torn meniscus in two months. Um, I guess that's modern medicine, maybe. Uh, Jock Lando, you know, I think a huge part of the reason the Suns lost the finals to the to the Bucs was they didn't have a backup center. I think it was like mm-hmm. Mac Biombo. Mm-hmm. Jock Lando, low key, been looking nice for them off the bench. Uh, he's averaging eight and eight and four off the bench for them. Maybe not a physical bruiser, but he has some nice touch around the rim. Uh, campaign, for as much as I love the guy, you know, went to the same high school. Um, maybe they need to upgrade there a little bit uh, at backup point guard, but they have they have the flexibility to do so at the deadline um, considering I think you can get a pretty good return for Jay Crowder because Jay Crowder is a guy that ideally he'd be perfect for the Suns right now, but mm-hmm. he would, you know, perfect guy to add on to any contending team. He's a winning basketball player. So look for them to get like a decent enough return, maybe get a backup point guard, maybe get another wing to throw in there. Um, and, you know, I think backup point guard is such a huge position for them considering Chris Paul's age, considering they really do need to load manage the guy. Um, and he's actually hurt right now again. So Cam Payne's probably going to step into that starting role. Uh, I think and, back and, point, and he's going to get hurt again in the playoffs. He's going to yeah. get hurt to play. Like it's going, if they go deep, it's going to happen. It happens every year. It just is the way that it is. He's, he's either going to get hurt or some weird fluke thing is going to happen to him. And he seems to be very cursed in the playoffs. Yes. Um, so 
yeah, you can't rely on campaign to to lead your offense in the playoffs. And I think they have to upgrade that backup point guard position. They have some decent depth, but I just think like the fact that the West is so wide open, they have a chance. And Devin Booker's averaging 27 points a game right now, which is actually not that high considering there's like five, six guys in the league averaging 30 plus. But he's one of the better players in the league. I can see him carrying them, especially with that eight combo. Um, so and I, I think the the key point here is Monty Williams, like just how great of a leader he is, being able to lead a group of guys through all this turmoil, all the offseason, uh, off the court distractions. He's been key for them for the past, you know, three seasons really. And I think um him and Chris Paul, both being great leaders of men, uh, are the reason that they're good again. And I don't think they should push as hard in regular season this year. I think they should manage those injuries and try to be 100% heading into the playoffs. But I'm going to jump to that. I think the Suns are going to be just fine. They're going to be a top three, three top three to four seed in the East, depending on how uh, we Golden State finishes out the season and, and the Clippers. Um, but, yeah, I, I like what I've seen. Early returns are good from the Suns. They're fun to watch. Yeah, it's it's like it's the same. It's roughly the same team that they put on the floor that won as many games as they did last year. Um, they've done a good job compartmentalizing what's happening around the organization and not letting it bleed onto the floor. And if you can do that, I mean, they bring back they bring back a lot of guys from a team that won a ton of games last year. So um, as long as everybody stays healthy, for the most part, and they can get to the very end of the season healthy. Then, um, then they're going to be annoying to play until until they're beat again. Especially, especially like you said, I I'm not convinced by anybody in the West right now because, like you said, the freaking Utah Jazz lead the West, yeah. and I and I for sure am not convinced by the Utah Jazz. But um, but yeah, I think they'll be just fine. Next one, kind of going off the discussion we were just having, but. We need to start worrying about Golden State and the Clippers. So right now, if you look at it, Golden State's four and seven. They were three and seven. They had a nice win over the Kings barely uh, the other night on Monday. And you have the Clippers, who are six and five, seventh in the West. But Kawhi Leonard is, is currently out. Um, I think it's they said like indefinitely. Uh, he's he was out on Tuesday or Tuesday. He was out Monday or no no, no sorry. He's out tonight against the Lakers. So he's been out for quite some time. Those two teams were a lot of people's top two in the West heading into the season. Are you jumping to the conclusion that we should start really worrying about these, these two uh, favorites really? I'm not, I'm not ready to jump to that conclusion. Um, I think we need to wait on the Warriors a little bit. Um, Clay doesn't seem to be like himself. All I'm at this point, all I'm worried about when it comes to the Warriors is those three guys being as good as possible when we get to when we get to April. Um, we're past the days where I need to see them dominate the regular season because that's just not who they are anymore. They're not all 28. They're all, you know, 31, 32, 33. Um, so I just am not. I'm not all that concerned about the regular season. Now there are some things that I'm a little concerned about, but um, you know, they haven't been great offensively. They haven't been great defensively. 
Um, but they've also not been atrocious. Um, defensively, they've been pretty bad, but offensively, they've been fine. Steph is good. Um, I I believe in the infrastructure of the of the Warriors at this point, and until Steph is an awesome and things really blow up, I mean, I I think they're in a fine spot. I'm not ready to write them off, and certainly not ready to jump to the conclusion of we need to really worry about the Warriors. Um, Maybe we can kind of put them on the back burner and keep an eye on them, but uh, I'm not too, too worried yet. For me, the Warriors, I have, I have concern about their, their, the young pieces that we were really expecting to, to pull through this season. Sure. Because their starting lineup of Steph, Clay, Wiggins, Green, and Looney, like, uh, rating wise is like the best starting five in the entire league. So those guys have been great again, but you look at a Jordan pool shooting 30% from three right now mm-hmm. uh, on 6.6 attempts. He's shooting 40% from the field, 80% free throw. This is a guy that had the best free throw percentage in the league last year at 92. He's shooting 80% from, from the line averaging 15, uh, 15 and five. Um, he he struggled out the gates, and um, that's a concern. I, I expect him to hopefully pick it or pick it up. I don't love some of the shots that he takes. He, you know, for a guy that I really appreciate his confidence, just in life, like he's a very confident person. I think, and he's very confident in his game. Obviously, I think that translates, or that doesn't translate super well. Like you're not Steph Curry yet. Like maybe stop taking those shots that we're okay with Steph taking, if that makes sense. And. I think I'm Wiseman. I'm I'm very concerned about him. You know, like the past couple games, it's been so bad that he's gotten straight DNPs. You know, do not play, did not play. Coach's decision. It's not like he's been injured. He's just been so bad. And part of the reason um, for that is he's kind of soft. Like for a guy that's a seven footer, he's kind of soft. I saw a stat that um, he's like 13th. Were it's kind of a weird stat, but screen like screen setting percentage like contact so like you know when you make a screen and you like physically make contact with with the defender he's like 13th worst in the entire nba meaning he doesn't make contact with the guys that he's supposedly screening uh and you know that's really all they need him to do is screen and cut right and get open cuts to the basket open lobs etc he's not even he's not a good screener so like that's in draymond on the flip side of it, it's like one of the best screeners in the league with that contact mm-hmm. rate stat. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's a frustrating piece. Uh, Kaminga still very raw. We haven't really seen much from him. Moody, he's fine, but I mean, he's really only playing like 10 minutes a game for them. Like he's not a key contributor off the bench. They kind of miss Otto Porter and those, those veteran leaders off the bench right now, their second unit um, hasn't been, has been their Achilles heel. They're, they, they're still only four and seven. And like, we could look like if they went, I always say this, like if, if the Warriors went four and seven in January, would people care? No, no one would care at all. Right. But since they, they started four and seven out of the gate, everyone's going to freak out about it. Right. So I'm not like, I am worried about them, but I, I think they're going to, they're, they're going to be there come April and May. Right. Like we, we all know this. I think they just have to figure out, you know, that second unit. Mm-hmm. Is it a matter of, 
passion packaging these guys and trading them for a veteran piece. I mean, they could very well do that. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, they, they have the assets to do so. And obviously, you know, they, they have the ownership that's willing to do whatever it takes to win. Cause they don't know how much, how many more runs they have with, with this core um, core three, really. I mean, realistically, it's probably the last run we're going to see with Steph Curry, uh, Clay Thompson and Draymond green. Right. So I think, Maybe if if they continue to to struggle for the next month or so, two months, like then absolutely, I think they could kind of shake up that back half of the bench. It kind of reminds me of I think it was like two seasons ago when they had Kelly Oubre and, and D'Angelo Russell, and they quickly realized this ain't gonna work, and they got rid. Mm -hmm. We could see that happen again this year. Yeah, you know, eleven games into the season, when your entire second unit is completely different than it was last year, but your main guys are doing just fine. Like there are better places to be in. There are also way worse places to be in. Um, the thing that's so concerning with Wiseman, right, is he was supposed to be like he is genuinely lost on defense. Mm -hmm. And he was supposed to be right, a an Evan Mobley type guy, like that type of that type of defensive impact. And he just has right, every once in a while he'll have the a block that you're like, Oh, right, there it is. Found it. That like right. that's what I was but he just has no concept of playing the nba game yet and i mean it's understandable the guys played like 11 total organized basketball games in like the last three years right it's it's understandable i mean there's a very real argument he's played you know 15 high level basketball games in his entire career i mean we can talk about east yeah. high school if you want to but right we're talking three yeah. memphis basketball games and not that many more Warriors games, right? Three Memphis games against Our Lady of the Poor. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, so, and I totally get you, right? It's at some point you have to either fi figure out the second unit with the young guys or use the young guys to go get a more, a more confident, a, a second unit you're more confident in. Um, but I have faith in that front office to figure that part out. And, I'll wait a little while longer to see, to see, especially with that second unit. Cause Steph has been, are we kidding? Like 32, 32, seven and seven. It's absolutely ridiculous. Um, yeah. So he, as long as he's better, good. Yeah. He's been better than he was in the regular season last year. I think that's one of mm -hmm. the things people kind of forget about last season is, is Curry wasn't am amazing. He had his rough shooting stretches. I, I specifically remember when he was really pushing for the all-time three-point record, uh, he, he really was was uh, struggling percentage-wise from three. So he's been arguably better in the regular season this year than he was last year in a season that they won the championship. Uh, they have a really fun matchup on Friday night at home against Cleveland, uh, 9 o'clock Central, 10 Eastern. That, that'll be a fun one. Unfortunately, it's not on national television, uh, but a, a really uh, fun Cleveland team that we'll talk about later. Um, but that'll be a fun matchup. What about the Clippers? Are, are you worried about them? I, I think I have to be. I mean, at some point, it matters that... I mean, at some point, we just can't keep saying that, yeah, they'll get Kawhi back at some point. We've been saying that for like three years now. Um, I just don't... They're so uninspiring. They just, they just don't do anything that gets me going. Um, at this point, they're six and five... In terms of, in terms of advanced stats, I mean they're the second worst. I mean the two LA teams are the worst offensive teams in the NBA. Um, there just isn't a ton 
after those two guys, right? After those two main guys, there just isn't a ton to get excited about. And if Kawhi's not going to be around, if he's playing, you know, two dozen minutes a game. I mean, right now, you're right, he's played two. He's played in two games and he's played twenty one minutes. Yeah, per game. I mean, the rest of the the rest of the roster is not good enough with just Paul George. It's just not. And so I, I am I am concerned. I will jump to that conclusion with the Clippers because I am a, I am to the point where I'm not interested in assuming that Kawhi Leonard will ever get back to the point that Kawhi Leonard, Leonard was once at. And until he actually does that, I'm going to maintain my concern because it's just not it's not a, an inspiring basketball team without him on the floor. And I don't understand like this injury that he, he tore his ACL, right? It happened a year and a half ago. I feel like people re- recover from torn ACLs in like 10 months now. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's the worst injury you can have in this day and age is a, is a torn Achilles. Mm-hmm. That is the longest recovery. ACLs have kind of figured out like the recovery process and it's not as devastating an injury as it has been in, in years past. Why is it taking like why the fact that this is still bugging him is is very concerning mm-hmm. to me. Uh, he he should be back at full force, and it was even weirder that they decided to come back and say, "Yeah, we're going to run you off the bench to start the season, and you're only going to play like twelve minutes." I don't understand. I don't understand that. Paul George is playing great basketball, but he he, he you know thank God because he has to if they want to do anything at this point. I think you've made a good point, like outside of those top two guys, they have like, we focused a lot on in the preview, like they have depth, but I mean, how good and how, like you said, inspiring is said depth, like Marcus Morris, Zubach, Reggie Jackson. I like Reggie Jackson. Terrence Mann hasn't like been the same guy he was in, in the 2021 playoffs. He's never shown that Terrence Mann again, right. the two off the bench, Covington, Norman Powell, Norman Powell. Canard, like they're all fine. They're not they're all fine. They're not elite. But like I would take, I think the Pelicans have way better depth in the West. I think the Grizzlies have higher quality depth in the West. Those are two teams like just off the top of my head. I would, if the Warriors young players played to their potential, I'd pick those guys over them, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's concerning. And um it kind of going off that theme in the West, like there's just it's wide open and you know, we've seen Minnesota really struggle at the gates, right? Like no one's kind of static except the jazz, I guess like no one's establishing themselves and putting their foot down. And the biggest thing we talked about as a key to success for this Clippers team this season, or at least I did in our preview is these guys have to play together. If we, if I want, if I think they are going to win a championship and they're not, and Right now, I can't pick them to you know make it out of the West if, if they're if they're not going to get at least 50, 50 regular seasons season games together. And right now, it's tracking like there's no way that's going to happen. They're full of guys that you're supposed to feel really good about, but they're all guys that just kind of get thrown around and moved around, and then you see them on the floor and it's like, wait, do I really feel all that good about them? And the, at the end of the day, the difference between the Clippers and the Warriors for me is that one of those teams, I have full confidence in the culture that they can fall back on and the infrastructure they can fall back on. And the other one doesn't have that. Like, it's just not even there. Right. I mean, we're falling back on Paul George. Like that's the, that's plan B 
when it comes to the Clippers. Yeah. And in Golden State, it's we fall fall back onto this decade of winning that we've created for ourselves. And it's so so that's that's the biggest difference for me there. But of course. At some point, at some point, I just I I feel like at some point those three guys in Golden State will get back to the point that they always find a way to get back to as long as they're healthy. And I don't have that faith in 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 the Clippers. Yeah, you're going to give the benefit of the doubt, of course, to Golden State every single day of the week versus mm-hmm. a Clippers team that hasn't done it and has done nothing but, you know, choke, falter down the stretch, injuries, uh, bubble, bubble season struggles. Like they've proven themselves to be a bit of a house of horrors, kind of like the the nets of the of the West without the crazy off the court distractions. But Loki kind of with all the weird stuff that Kawhi um kind of like does it doesn't do basically like um there there are off the court distractions with them as well but like I, i'm gonna jump to that conclusion but i think they can turn it around if this freaking Kawhi, if Kawhi can get back um because those two guys are, are lethal but can they carry them to a championship I, I i think that remains to be seen and obviously and it's it's bro they don't work out this year like when do you when do you pull the plug on this, right? When right. do you give it up? Because it's been this is year four of this, and it's been the same thing every season. One guy's playing, one guy's out. Weird bubble season. Like these guys got to figure it out. Um, so I'm worried about. I'm low key worried about both actually. So you're not worried about going to say you're worried about uh, the Clippers. So all right, next conclusion that I have here is, and I came up with these. A few days ago, um, this might not stand true, but there are not any truly, like truly awful teams, like bona fide. If, as long as you show up, you will beat this team yeah. in the league. And I, the reason I came up with this is because a lot of the teams that we might have had, like as potential tankers, uh, you know, Wemby sweepstakes, specifically the Utah Jazz, they're nine and three. The Portland Trailblazers are seven and three. Those are, you know, the Jazz are first and the Blazers are third in the West. Um, you have a team like, you know, the Pacers are five and five. I think we both thought the Pacers could have been one of the worst teams in the entire league. Uh, the Wizards are five and six. They're like, that's not awful. You know, the Hornets are three and that's pretty bad. But the Spurs, a team that I was like struggling to figure out how they're going to win a singular game are five and six already. So do you think there are any truly awful teams in the league right as as things stand don't project out into the future as things stand right now i will jump to that conclusion that there are no truly awful the the talent is just too deep right i mean the the worst records in the nba right now right the houston rockets i mean the los angeles lakers like they the the lakers might be the worst team in the nba Mm -hmm. which is insane like like i don't think that's i don't think that's true but they're probably one of the five worst. And that team has LeBron James and Anthony Davis on it. I don't care who else is on that team. The team, a LeBron James and Anthony Davis team should never be one of the five worst in the NBA. And they are, but right. Three and nine for the Pistons, three and nine for the magic. And I, I mean, I certainly know that I love the young cores that both of those teams have with Jay Ivey, Kate Cunningham, Sadiq Bay. Isaiah Stewart on one side of it 
And then in Orlando, your Jalen Suggs, uh, Franz Wagner, Paolo looks awesome. Um, so I think like we're to the point with with the level of talent in the NBA that it's it's a matter of of fit and a matter of execution rather than a, a matter of one team is just so much more talented than the other, right? And of course, like the Pistons and the Magic, they're not good. Don't get me wrong. Those teams aren't good, but they're so talented that they're, that like you said, you can't just walk in and because you showed up, you're going to get a win, right? All Both of those teams have guys that, I mean, Sadiq Bay can knock down eight three-pointers and score 32. Like that has happened before. And Paolo looks awesome. And the Houston Rockets have a lot of really young talent there. Um, there are some good teams. And so by, by default, there has to be some bad teams, but that definition of bad has definitely changed. Kate Cunningham, bro. Whoo-wee. 21, six and six as, as a second year guy. I mean, like I said, in the preview podcast, this man is the evolved Chris Paul. He is so nasty. Uh, and, and I don't think the Pistons are awful, right? They they've had so many injuries on their bench. You know, Marvin Bagley has been out. Uh, I think Burks has been out for them as well. Once they get their second unit in, in order, they'll, they'll be better. They'll be, I don't know, twelfth in the wet in, in the East. They're not. They're not a bottom feeder. Uh, Killian Hayes on the side note. This guy could be could be playing in Barbados or 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 being a you know a model in France in, in the next few few months. Here, uh, it's rough. He can do everything but score. Um, mm-hmm. Tough, tough. It's really a tough watch. Unfortunately, a guy that I liked heading into the draft at least. Um, I think it's. I think we've hit the point where we cannot say the Jazz are awful no matter what happens the rest of the season. Uh, I thought mm-hmm. they were awful heading into the season, but they have a lot of guys that were rejected basically by other teams, casted away, and they have a they are major chip on the shoulder team. And it's funny, like listening to podcasts and stuff. Like they're having the discussion of like, do the Jazz trade all their assets and try to go acquire like a top end talent? Now they probably won't, but just like a hypothetical. Like it could happen. They have the assets to do so. They got a million picks for Gobert and Mitchell. Like if they really, like if the Jazz really wanted to try to contend, they could, which is funny. Um, but at, at the bare minimum, they've shown that their rebuild is already trending in the right direction. You know, not even a season into it. This is year one, right? They're three three weeks into this rebuild, and already they're showing signs of uh, being a competent franchise, which is 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 great for them. You know, I think one thing about the Jazz that's really stood out is that crowd. Holy crap! They played. Uh, the Grizzlies twice back to back in Utah and they're selling out these games. It sounds like a playoff atmosphere for an October, November game against the Grizzlies. It's insane. Mm-hmm. So shout out to the jazz are doing great things over there in Utah. Uh, Danny Ainge is probably having a mini heart attack right now for what it's worth. I think the Houston Rockets are truly awful. I think that is the one team in the league that you can walk into the arena. And as long as you show up, 70%, 50%, 60%, you're, you're probably going to beat them. Jalen Green is is fine. He's been kind of struggling shooting the ball. Um, I wish he tried to incorporate uh, Jabari Smith Jr. into the offense a little bit more. Jabari's looked really bad. Um, he does not look comfortable whatsoever. Can't score a lick off the dribble. Um, all his shots are so contested because he just doesn't have any dribble moves right now, you know? Uh, and he's even struggled on defense. So they're so, so young, right? Like there is no veteran. I guess Eric Gordon is the veteran leader on that squad. Uh, Shengun, I actually really like. Shengun's averaging 17 and 10. Shout out to Shengun. But they're, they're just so young and 
they're they're very very bad um so if i had to pick one team it would be the the rockets are awful the lakers yeah we don't need to talk about them but i i mentioned to you over text like it's insane just how irrelevant lebron is right now like for the past 20 years of our lives basically lebron's been the guy in the nba he was you know when you're give me your top five like lebron's on that list i don't know if lebron's in your top five like he's still he's still getting his 28 7 and 7 but it's for a team that can't win a game to save its life so like they kind of feel like empty numbers and he's just sports talk shows will talk about how bad the lakers are but it's always russ and ad it's never lebron like he's getting no publicity right now and i know that's probably killing him inside um but they're just they suck and lebron's irrelevant it's it's weird like it's i really don't want the guy for you know being top two player of all time like i don't want him to go out that way i wish he was had one last run because it it's fun seeing lebron in the finals and the playoffs as you know that 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 villain to some or that hero to some um so i would i would say the rockets are truly awful i don't think any of the teams in the east are truly awful i think charlotte might end up being truly awful but they haven't had Lamelo yet so mm-hmm. that remains to be seen as well i think indiana if they trade uh, Turner and Heald will end up being awful, but they have Matherin, right? So uh, if we had to say this second right now, the only team that I think is truly awful is the Rockets. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, Jalen Green is just... Jabari Jabari Smith, at least for the foreseeable future, is going to need a guy on his team who's interested in making him better. Yeah. And there's just... That guy's just not on the Houston Rockets right now. Um, a couple things from from what you said um i think there are like eight players on the utah jazz that contenders would like to have and when you've got eight of those guys you look and it's like oh okay fine like maybe not nine and three but not being awful it's it's not hard to see i mean mike conley is having a bit of a resurgence right 12 and a half seven and a half um he's top 10 in the nba in assists right now um, they're just there are a lot, there are too many good basketball players on that team, and I think Will Hardy's a good coach, very right. Good. And when, and and when you have those those two things, especially when the name of the game in the regular season is showing up every day, mm-hmm. right? It doesn't surprise me that when you really look into it, that the Jazz have nine wins. Maybe to that to that extent, it's surprising, but when you really look into it, it's not it's not out of this world. That, that that might be a thing but um i mean they're second in the league in offense right now yeah with laurie Markin and being their leading scorer yeah it's it's a bunch of guys that have chips on their shoulders and they're going to come give it to you every night and they they're not afraid to play extremely hard and they don't care what you think like colin sexton he's a dog you know laurie mm-hmm. Markin. jordan clarkson's actually passing the ball for once in a career mm-hmm. guys averaging 5.2 assists like this is he never did this before this is nope. a side of jordan clarkson we've never seen so mm-hmm. Uh, Malik Beasley hitting key shots hit a huge one against the Grizzlies. Like these are all, it's like the Island of misfit toys guy right. guys that other teams gave up on and they're playing with a chip on their shoulder and you know, they're, t- they, they take, they've taken it personally. I think Jared Vanderbilt was a guy that Minnesota really should not have given up on considering how awful they've looked so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, Minnesota is another train wreck, by the way. Sorry, Joe, if you're listening, uh, Minnesota has been a <laughs> rough, rough watch. Uh, that experiment has looked rough through the first few weeks of the season. So, um, you know, Oklahoma City in come February will be playing guys that are currently in uh, Israel, probably playing. So, <laughs> I expect them to fall off. Like this is going to get ugly in, in a few in a few months. The the most 
one of the better parts of the early parts of the NBA season is the fact that every team is at least trying to win mm-hmm. games. Give it a few months and this is going to get ugly. But um, yeah, you made a good point uh, about about Jabari Smith. He he needs he needs some help. Next one, go into the awards. Um, we'll do MVP and Rookie of the Year. First one is the MVP. Luca, Luca's going to run away with with the uh, the MVP this season. That dude is so good, and his usage rate is just unbelievably gross. It's yeah. so it's so wild um, how how much the ball's in his hands, and we can have a conversation about how um, about how fun he is or how not fun he is to play with. But, um, and the thing that I, that I'll say that, which is why I'm ready to jump to this conclusion. The thing I'll say is that when Russ won his MVP, the idea of your team having to be a contender and the idea of your team truly needing to be one of the best teams in your conference kind of went out the window. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't, you know, and we're, we're, we're long gone in pretty much every professional sport in this country with the idea of like, it's the most outstanding player award. It's not a most valuable player award. Um, you know, up until two years ago, as far as I'm concerned, LeBron should win most valuable player every single year of his career. Um, maybe you can throw Steph in there, but, um, Mm -hmm. it's not, it's not, it, it doesn't matter as long as you're not awful. And, and maybe the bar needs to be, if you have a losing record, then maybe it's an issue. Um, but if Dallas wins six of every 10 games that they play, they're six and four right now. Um, Luca, I think his numbers are just going to be so ridiculous and they're not going to go anywhere because that's probably the best form of offense they have. And um, it's just giving the ball to Luca over and over and over again. And but um, but yeah, I'm ready to jump to that conclusion. That guy is taking so many shots, and he's just so good. It's it's uh it's pretty impressive, even if it's not really all that fun to watch at the end of the day. Very James Harden esque basketball. Yeah, it's it's not it's not exhilarating to watch. Like you're not tuning into Mavericks games. Like oh yeah, I can't wait to watch the Mavs. If this team wants to do anything in the playoffs. Luca's going to have to get more of the team involved, it, but if they're going to have success also in the playoffs, it's going to be how great is Luca going to be? And is are the guys like Dinwiddie, uh, Bert, uh, Kleber and, you know, Tim Hardaway jr. Are they hitting shots in, in the corner that when they're wide open, like that's kind of how they made their run last season. Is, is that going to happen again? It's really the same team. Is, is Christian Wood going to step into a starter's role, which I think he should be at this point. But the question is, is Luca going to run away with MVP? Yeah. If he keeps like having this absurd usage rate, like, of course he is. He, I, I think if you took, I don't know if you took job, if John Moran took as many shots as Luca did, like, yeah, he, he's going to win MVP just considering all the, the looks that he gets. Um, it's absurd. And he's, it's, it's crazy because the guy's only shooting 29% from three right now. He's not even yeah. shooting well from behind the arc. If he starts yeah. making his threes, he's going to be averaging 40 plus. I agree. It would not be a lot of fun to play with. I think I talked about that in the preview podcast. Um, it's kind of like the guy in pickup that is definitely like good and has like, he's in his bag and shit, but it's like, dude, can I, ha- can I touch the basketball every once in a while? Mm-hmm. I'd be curious to see the true thoughts from the Mavericks uh, players outside of Luca, what they really think it's like playing with Luca, but absolutely. He's at 36, eight and eight right now with almost two steals a game. Um, yeah. It's incredible. Um, so yeah, he's going to run away with it if, if he keeps having this insane usage rate. Absolutely. The the only thing that the only 
thing that could stop him, I think, is one of these teams. Like, I think it's going to take one of these teams that has a superstar winning a crazy amount of games. I mean, and maybe and maybe the Bucs will win 70 games. If yeah. the Bucs win 70 games, then it's going to be really hard to not give Giannis, who, by the way, is averaging just shy of 32 and then 12 and 5. Right. So, so, so incredible too. The, the, the freak is off to a pretty good start too. But, um, I think people, whether they're ready to admit it or not, like him and Jokic, there's going to be some hesitation there just because they're tired of those two guys winning MVP. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it'll take a lot of, of games won by one of these guys to, and while averaging, you know, 32 and 12, that kind of thing, because I, it, what what's the floor for for Luca's average per game? Thirty three. Yeah, if he keeps he's gonna if, average thirty plus easily, right? If if the if things don't change, if they continue to operate on the offensive end the way that they're operating right now, you got to think it's somewhere in the thirty three range. Um, and if that team ends up winning sixty percent of their games and winning, you know, 48, 47, 48, 49 games, then that's just a that's just a lot, a lot of points and enough wins that someone else is going to have to do something really spectacular. I think from a team perspective, while being the best player on that team to, to take it away from them. We have currently seven players in the NBA averaging 30 plus points. I'm looking at it right now too. Luca, Steph, Giannis, Mitchell, Tatum, Durant, and, and Gilgis Alexander. Ja was up there. Now he's down to 28 and a half. Um, a lot of a lot of scoring. I, I it's that's crazy. Like, I, that's unheard of. Jaw forty five percent from three. Love that. Yes, he's Huge his jumper looks his jumper looks way smoother this season. The one mm-hmm. thing about Luca is he has to stay healthy. He always mm-hmm. looks like he's in pain every single game. He's grabbing <laughs> at that shoulder, grimacing, grabbing at his ankle. Like, are you good, bro? Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's kind of like a little bit like Jokic. Like it doesn't look like like Luca kind of just looked like an average white guy and. Mm-hmm. He's incredible. So yeah, he's going to run away with it uh, if he stays healthy. Next MV, uh, next award is Paolo Bancaro is going to run away with the rookie of the year. Do you want me to go first? I, yeah. I am. I am not ready to to jump to that conclusion. Wow. Because and I'm here in Indianapolis, and it might not actually matter just because it's the Pacers, and it's not sexy to talk about the Pacers. But Benedict Matherin is, let me put it this way, Paolo is going to have to have, and I'm sure he will. If you ask me to bet on who's going to win Rookie of the Year, I would still bet on Paolo for sure. Um, but this idea that he's going to run away with it, um, I'm not I'm not ready to go there yet because I think ben- Matherin is, because of how much Matherin gets to the line, that he's just like, the shooting slumps that a lot of first year guys in the NBA go through at some point, especially guys like Matherin who, who don't just, who don't shoot the living lights out. Um, he just gets to the line so much. He's so aggressive that especially if that Pacers teams is like the Pacers are five and five through 10. And we talked about it in the preview that only the Pacers would find a way to win too many games. But with that roster that they have right now, that is not anywhere near the worst team in the NBA, especially with how good Matherin has been. So if they end up winning north of 30 games, that would be a mistake. But if they end up winning north of 30 games, I think Matherin will at least have the 
the numbers to at least be part of the conversation. I mean, like again tonight in 13 minutes, 23 points, 23 points on eight of 10 shooting five of six from the three point line. I was going to say he has 23 points at half against the nuggets right now. Like, um, so I, I think Paolo will probably end up winning it. Um, if for no other reason, other than he stats the other categories to a degree that Matherin just doesn't. Um, because of how many rebounds yep. Paolo gets, yep. but um, I I wouldn't describe it as running away with it, so I'm not quite ready to jump to that conclusion. I agree. I think it's going to be a two man race. I think those two are going to run away with it because I haven't been like blown away by a Keegan Murray or a Jaden Ivy. They both look fine. Jabari mm-hmm. Smith's been a huge disappointment, and like Jalen Duran, I had fifth in my rookie rankings, but he's been hurt, mm-hmm. and like he's not going to win Rookie of the Year, right? Mm-hmm. But what's really impressed me is just like the size of Bancaro and like he stepped in from day one. It's like, Holy crap. This guy looks like a five-year veteran. Um, I mean, like grown man, I, I wrote about this in, in the article too. I'm like, we, this isn't normal. Like we need to emphasize that this is like it up until like the past few seasons, rookies did not come into the league and make the transition this easily. Like Bancaro stepped in and he's averaging like 25 a game. Like this does not, that doesn't happen. He's like the first rookie to put up a 25, five and five in his, in his NBA debut since LeBron just, and, and you know, the magic are doing this thing perfectly, by the way, they're having guys that are showing promise, but they're losing pretty much every game they play, putting them in prime sweepstakes for, for when Benyama just kiss chef's kiss to, to the tank that the Mavericks are, or the magic are doing right now. Um, Matherin shot making his, explosiveness and the fact that he gets to the line. He's so crafty around the rims, nailing threes. I'm sure he's not going to shoot as hot as he is from three for the entire season, but, um, and that's part of the reason that I think Ballo will kind of maybe he's going to win not necessarily run away with it, but I think that's why he has a better chance of winning it. It's just because he can really get to the basket, get those rebounds, fill the stat sheets, mm-hmm. a really good passer, actually him and Bull Bull mm-hmm. have developed a nice connection. Um, and he, you know, he's physical. He's, he's a big body. Loves the post up, loves his fadeaway mid range jumper. Um, whereas Matherin's more facing the basket, blow past guys, and finish at the rim, and also hitting those threes as well. So they're both outstanding. I, I I don't think either of us expected Matherin to be this good this quickly, um, but I think they're they're gonna those two are kind of in a class of their own. They're like if they're tier one, those are those are the tier one rookies by far, not even close. And then you have like tier two of Keegan Murray and and Jaden Ivy and stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's fair to say that um, Palo will win it, but it's, it's not going to be a runaway. So therefore I'm not jumping to that conclusion. I, I think there, there are two things that Matherin does that I wasn't expecting him to do. One, the level at which he gets to the free throw line is, is truly striking. Mm-hmm. Um, he is, he, he is aggressive compared to other NBA players. Like that's how aggressive the guy is. Um, and he's shooting 40% from three. Um, I was a little worried about, about Matherin Matherin early in his career combined with, can he get to the line and can he be as aggressive as he was at Arizona in the NBA? And can he knock down enough threes to kind of open up that, you know, getting to the line, getting to the front of the rim, right, right, finishing just- through contact. They have to honor the jumper, so they're closing out hard. Maybe they're getting baited by pump fakes, and he can easily drive past with right. pass him with his athleticism. So it's a lethal combination. Exactly, exactly. Um, and he's doing all of that, and he, he's he's um, 
he's been really, really good. He's been very impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll cut. I, I don't think I I've been as impressed with Matherin as I have been with Paolo. And that doesn't mean that I think they've both been equally as good. I think Paolo has been better, but relative to my expectations, Yes. I've been equally as impressed by both of them, which ultimately is why I'll I'll hang out with Paolo's definitely the front runner. I expect him to stay there, but Matherin has put himself in in a nice in a nice position, you know, an eighth of the way through the season. Absolutely. All right, next one. Um, we're almost we're almost through these. We got three more. Uh, Donovan Mitchell and the Cavs are legit contenders in these. And when I say legit contenders, I'm like this team can make the NBA Finals this season. Not in, not next year, not the year after this season. Are you jumping? I don't know. This is the one I've this is the one I've gone back and forth with in my head over and over again since you sent me this list. Um, I think I think they've just, I think they've earned I think they've earned the answer to that question being yes. Um, they're, they're third in offensive rating, they're second in defensive rating. Um, they are, you know, and the thing that's changed, right? Because the thing I said that I still believe is that I'm not entirely sure that you can have a backcourt as undersized as their backcourt is mm-hmm. and be, and me, have me be confident in you in the playoffs without you proving it first. Mm-hmm. Um, especially with the fact that our boy Donovan Mitchell was just about the worst defensive player in the playoffs. And it wasn't all that close, right? At least the, at least the worst player that was actually an important part of a D of a playoff team last year. Um, and he has, and maybe it was just a Utah thing. Maybe it was just a, I am so ready to be out of here thing. Let's just get this season over with, but he is, he is different this year for sure um the only thing that yeah the only thing that gives me pause here is i'm still not sure like who guard like it like in in a in a series against the bucks right who guards chris middleton right because in theory mobley's going to guard Giannis, even though i'm not entirely sure that I love that either because that guy is still like strength. We still need to work on strength of mobility is spectacular. And maybe, and maybe Jared Allen would guard Giannis and you'd put Mobley on, on Middleton. But my, the point being is that Isaac Okoro does not shoot the ball well enough to be out there for long enough in a playoff series. You're going to be four be five on offense. Um, I have zero faith in Karis Levert yeah. with all due respect to Karis Levert. I don't either. Yeah. Um, so that is my biggest, question mark here but if the if, am i ready to jump to the to the conclusion that they are a title contender and are capable of making the finals um i think i think they've deserved people jumping to that conclusion at this point um i would love to be able to answer the question like six games into their first playoff series um but of course that would be no fun that would be no fun that's why we're doing it now um but they've been super they've been a ton of fun to watch um, they do have a they do have a, a defensive game changer in Mobley, and maybe it won't matter. Maybe just, Mobley can just guard the best guy on the floor, you know, two through five, right? 
and it just doesn't matter. But um, because especially because you have Jared Allen there to to help protect the rim. But um, but yeah, I think I'll jump to that conclusion. I still have questions, the same questions that I that I had in in preseason. But Donovan Mitchell being the two way guy he's been so far, um, and already being a guy that we know can go toe to toe with guys in the playoffs, like he did with Jamal Murray in that series in the bubble. Um, I, I, I think I'll jump to that conclusion. Yeah. I think if you look at the rivals outside the bucks in the East, like we consider the Celtics to be NBA finals contenders, right? They, the, the Cavs just beat the Celtics twice in a row. Both went to overtime. Both were highly, highly intense games, uh, in with, in which both teams were trying very hard and they beat the Cavs won both of those games. So they're absolutely contenders. Uh, they can absolutely, I can absolutely see a world in which they get out of the, out of these. I mean, at this time last year, how many people would predict the Celtics to make it out of these? Nobody. Um, and they have just probably the best defensive backcourt in the entire league with Mobley and Allen. That's formidable. They're going to be really tough to get to the room against backcourt. Like you said, I agree. There's a little bit of question marks around the size there and that, that them getting hurt in the playoffs. Like those traditionally aren't backcourts that hold up in the playoffs. So we'll see on that. And obviously the biggest question on them is their wings, right? Dean Wade and, and Karis LeVert, um, will they upgrade there? Okoro is just such a nothing on offense that you can't really run him out there in a playoff series because it's 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 five on four. So that's a huge, that's the number one question is, are they going to go out and get a wing, uh, a, a three? And I talked about Harrison Barnes going to the Celtics. I think Harrison Barnes would be an absolutely perfect fit. In, in Cleveland this season. Uh, he's an expiring. Go out and maybe try to make a move for them, for him. Um, or even like a Jay Crowder, perfect type guy for for this uh, Cavs, team's right, Cavs team right now. They don't have a ton of assets considering they pretty much traded most of their assets away to get Mitchell. Uh, they gave like five first rounders up, I believe, for him. Um, something like that. So um, it, it's, I'm not really sure what they have to trade. I guess you could give them like Levert and... Uh, like a Kevin Love, uh, just figure out the salaries there. Mm. Uh, Coro, I guess, as a, as a throw in, but um, they need to upgrade that wing position. But they're they're absolutely they're absolutely contenders. This team, uh, like I said, a lot of fun to watch. They a lot of these wins have been without Darius Garland. Concerning, he went out mm. like 13 minutes into the season with that eye injury and didn't come back until a few games ago. Donovan Mitchell's playing at an MVP level. Like we've never seen Donovan Mitchell play this well, and he could very well get on an all NBA team for the first time in his career. I think he's easily going to be an all-star this year, which interestingly enough is in Salt Lake city. So that'll be kind of a interesting dynamic there. Um, all-star game in Salt Lake city, but yeah, this seems a lot of fun to watch. They're second in the East right now. Um, would love to see them. Like this team is going to be so much fun to watch in a playoff series. Just crazy how they've accelerated the rebuild so quickly with one trade and that trade low key worked out for both teams. I feel like we rarely see that, but yep. that trade worked out for both teams. So I'm going, I'm going to say they're absolutely going to contend. The last thing I'll, the last thing I'll say to kind of add some evidence, um, you know, Brown and Tatum combined for 64 in the first game between the two teams and 56 in the second game. Um, so, I mean, in this, in the first game, Tatum was 11 of 19 and got to the free throw line eight times. And Jalen Brown was 11 of 22 and got to the free throw line 12 times. Um, it's just going to be really hard to, especially, and that team is really difficult because they have two of them. Right. Um, but if you're letting the other team's best players get to the line 20 times in a seven game playoff series, right. And like in each game, um, it's just, 
it, it puts a lot of pressure on your team. So um, I agree with you. If if they if they make a trade to to shore up that that three spot, that three that three position uh, in between their backcourt and their and their bigs, then I'll be even more in than I am already. But they're a ton of fun for sure. Yeah, Bill just Simmons don't get LeBron. Whole... Just just don't take. Just don't. I don't want LeBron to come back to Cleveland and <laughs> it'll be be all about LeBron. This is, and I don't think they want that either. I think no. they want to be an organization that is about more than just the fact that they got to pick LeBron James first overall. Um, so I don't think that's going to happen. But I'm just manifesting it. Yeah, that, I mean, I guess LeBron can't get traded this season anyway. So, um, right. Just don't do yeah. it next year. Please don't. No, they, it's fun to see them good without him. Next, uh, last couple here. We have two quick ones. Um, first one, both Toronto and Atlanta could finish with the top four seed in the East. I'll go first on this. Atlanta, absolutely. Uh, I think nobody expected the the Murray Trey Young backcourt to look this good so quickly, and it has. Uh, Trey's looking great off the ball. Uh, Dejounte Murray can fill in on nights that Trey's not shooting the ball. Trey actually hasn't been shooting the ball that well this season, as his numbers are down across the board. But it doesn't matter; they're still seven and three, fourth in the in the East, because Dejounte Murray has surprisingly looked as good as he did last season when he when he was an All Star. Um, you got DeAndre Hunter playing really good defense, shooting the ball well again. Uh, Capella really good in the in the pick and roll and, and rebounding the ball like we all expected. Congo is really good off the bench for them. Like they're a solid basketball team. They're fun to watch. John Collins like. It makes a lot of sense, and I don't think people would have predicted this team to kind of fall into place so quickly. Another guy, A.J. Griffin, had like 23 points the other night for them, uh, the rookie out of Duke. They have the Holiday Big brothers. A.J. Griffin fan. Big yeah. uh, you were you were very high on him heading into the draft, I remember. Um, they have the, the, the Holiday brothers. They also have Jalen Johnson coming off the bench, second-year guy. A lot of people that people forgot about, or a, lot, a guy a lot of people forgot about um, last season. Um, he, he didn't do much last season, but he's playing 15 minutes off the bench for them this year. Um, only averaging five points, but he, if you watch, like he actually puts in some, some solid minutes for them. So is this team like, are they going to make the finals? No. Are they going to push for a top four seed? Can I see them a world in which they make the conference finals again? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. This team's they're fun to watch. I may be a little worried about still Trey young defensively and, and all that stuff uh, come playoff time, but they're, they're fun. They're good. Toronto, I think, yes. I think I really do think it's going to come down to, I think the Bucks, Cavs, and Celtics are going to be probably the top three. And I think it's going to be Atlanta, Toronto, and Philly battling it out for that fourth seed. And Toronto absolutely can do it. Uh, Siakam's hurt now, which is a tough loss for them. OG Ananobi has been outstanding for them this season. Scotty Barnes playing well in year two. My issue with with the Raptors and ultimately why I think the Hawks are going to finish fourth instead of the Raptors is the Hawks just have so much more depth than than the Raptors do. And the Raptors basically play eight players like they did last year, and they really can only play one way. They have so much length and size, et cetera, but they, that's really the only brand of basketball that they can play, and I think that hurts them in certain matchups. Um, so... And dude, I just like playing eight guys over the course of an 82 game season like that. They're going to get burnt out. I don't care how young they are. They did this last year. Like there's only so much guys can take, um, but it'll be fun. Cause like the, the four versus five seed, like that really actually doesn't matter. That's home court advantage right there for you. So Atlanta, Toronto, and Philly will be battling out for that four seed and maybe Chicago they're 500 right now as well. So 
I'm going to jump to that conclusion that both Toronto and Atlanta can finish with the top four seed. I will too. I'm going to jump to that conclusion as well, right? For Toronto, it's can, can their guys stay healthy? Because if they don't, then they're going to have to rely on somebody they haven't relied on yet. And, and I'm a little disappointed because I, I think the Raptors, I think there's some depth there. I really do. Um, I mean, Thaddeus Young, Chris, Chris Boucher, Hernan Gomez, um, Precious Achua, Otto Porter Jr., Malachi Flynn. Like all of those guys are all are, are on that team. That's that's six names I just made that I just said. Like I feel like I should feel better about their depth. But you're right. They just they play a lot of guys, they play a few guys a lot of minutes. And hopefully they can stay, they can stay healthy. But I like the Raptors. I haven't seen anything that makes me think they can't be that fourth team there. Um and with the Hawks, I I would agree as well that uh, that they have that they are in a position with that backcourt especially to to win enough games to be the four seed. For example, why is Otto Porter Jr. playing 16 minutes a game for an upstart young Raptors team when he played 22 minutes a game for the championship Golden State Warriors last season? Why right. why are his minutes down? Why That's, not play him morning nurse? I think Nick nurse is a great coach, obviously, right? His teams are always good and competitive. He won a championship, but that, that like, that's just a, like play him more. Malachi Flynn, only seven minutes a game. Delano Ben, a guy that a lot of people were high on only playing eight minutes a game. Thaddeus Young, a career outstanding role player, eight minutes a game. Christian Coloco, the rookie out of Arizona, 18 minutes a game. Like he's been solid for them. So they just need to play more down guys. too. Huh? minutes are down too from yeah, last like, year. Play more guys. I don't understand. Like you're going to burn these guys out, man. It's it's interesting. Yeah. Eight man rotation is good in playoffs, but not now. Last mm-hmm. one before we get out. Um, the Miami Heat are are awful. Uh, I'm going to say yes. Jimmy Butler is only averaging 20 points a game. That's their team high. They're four and seven. Um, it's been talked about enough, but Kyle Kyle Lowry is playing the worst basketball of his career. He looks like he's kind of out of it. Tyler Hero averaging almost 20 a game, six and six rebounds to assist. But um like Tyler Hero has a ceiling in, in what he can be. Not great defensively. He's he's basically a turnstile on defense. Uh he's kind of soft. I mean, I hate to say it, but he, he kind of is a little bit soft. Uh Adebayo is a outstanding defender. Um unfortunately, Duncan Robinson has not shot the ball as well this year as he has in years past. And it just feels like I don't know. They're, just, they're, they're kind of like just so uninspiring again. And we said this last year and they made it to within a shot of the finals, but, and we got Jimmy Butler out here saying that, you know, they're, they're going to make the NBA finals. They're going to win the championship. I just don't see it. Like, are they going to beat the bucks in a seven game series? Like, no, but I'm not betting they, on them too. <laughs> do they stink? Maybe they might stink. My question to you is what do he do? Well, what do the Heat do really well? I would say they don't. Do, they don't do a lot of things. They don't really do anything really, really poorly. But do they do anything? They're the Denzel Valentine of the <laughs> NBA right now, right? That dude came out of Michigan State and he did a lot of things pretty good. He did nothing. He did nothing spectacularly. And while he's been in the NBA way longer than I thought he was going to be, um, he. I mean, I, I feel like we're kind of in the same place with the Heat, right? Yep. That's what I. That's how I feel. Ten games in. Good defensively. 
but they're ninth in defense in terms of points allowed. But like, is 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 Jimmy Butler? Does he have another carry a team to deep run again? Like, that's basically what it's going to come down to. They feel like the Mavericks, where it's basically just the same team all over again. Mm. Yeah. So I guess we're both jumping. Um, I don't know if they like they're not bottom feeders in the East, but they could be like a six or seven seed, maybe you know. Maybe in the plan. Plan team, maybe. Like yeah. one of these teams is going to have to be in the plan, you know? Mm-hmm. So, all right, we'll wrap there. Uh, we're running out of time on our poverty Zoom anyway. Uh, we don't have the premium Zoom, we have the poverty. So, um, <laughs> yeah, thanks for coming on. It's always fun to chop it up NBA style. Um, and for what it's worth, the Jazz are up nine against the Hawks at halftime in Atlanta. So, I don't know. I mean, maybe by the time we talk again, the Jazz are still in first and they're training for Kevin Durant. Who knows what's going to happen in, in, in the NBA? But, Really appreciate you coming on. Uh, hope to have you. Hope to have you back on again sometime throughout this NBA season. Thanks, brother. And don't forget to check out Jays for Days. Uh, great podcast, college basketball. Um, that's where the content is for Josh as well. Um, and always be sure, sure to tune into the CriticsCornerPodcast.com. So thank you guys for listening, and we'll catch you on the next episode. Peace out.